0: Welcome to Coffee with Graham. I'm your host, Melissa Simmons. This is a new podcast where we'll discuss different topics in healthcare with ACCME President and CEO, Dr. Graham McMahon. In each episode, we'll get a professional perspective on the latest issues in healthcare and find out how CME is shaping the future for clinicians and educators. Thanks for listening. Hi, Graham. So thanks for sitting down with us again.
1: anytime. (laughs)
0: So, I know one of the topics you're interested in is overconfidence in the workplace and how that affects healthcare leaders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where does the sense of overconfidence come from?
1: I would say we're acculturated as physicians, certainly, but also broadly in the healthcare workforce to uh, be decisive in the way in which we make decisions. Um, and decisiveness and confidence are connected. Certainly, we want clinicians to be decisive. But you have to be careful when you mix decisiveness with confidence because the decisions have to be right. And in healthcare, that's incredibly important for patient safety and patient outcomes. The opposite is also true in that you have to avoid vacillation. Unnecessary vacillation, uh, indecision is confusing for patients and confusing for everybody involved and just introduces delays and overtesting. So there is a sweet spot at which there's appropriate levels of confidence and appropriate levels of curiosity and, and openness to what the right answer might be for an individual decision. The challenge emerges when you have a mix of confidence and competence when they aren't matched. So if somebody thinks that they're terrific at communicating effectively with family, but they're anything but, or they're absolutely awesome at doing a, an appendectomy, but they're clearly not. Those are dangerous problems because now you introduce errors.
0: Right. So what happens when there's a mismatch between confidence and
1: competence level? Well, obviously errors. Um, If you think you can do something and you can't, then the thing gets started, either the prescription or the communication or the, the surgical operation, whatever it is, starts happening and... negative outcomes abound. Now, not only do negative outcomes abound when there's a mismatch between confidence and competence, but the overconfident clinician, if there is a poor outcome, isn't going to have the humility in many cases to recognize that they're the cause of the poor outcome. And as a result, they'll necessarily blame the system or the patient's complexity, uh, not realizing that in fact their decision-making was flawed. So you have a combination of errors induced by low levels of comp- competence and not matched by the humility to recognize that you are the source of the problem when the outcome occurs.
0: So how can we avoid overconfidence? How can healthcare professionals avoid it?
1: Well, I think the key objective is to match competence and confidence. Then, that can be achieved through uh, curiosity, humility, and self-assessment. And those are those sound like difficult constructs, but they're actually quite easy. If you think for a second about the value of talking to a peer, um, let's say you ask a colleague, listen, I had this patient this morning, and, and this is what she had. And what, should, what would you have done in this circumstance? Even if it's a familiar conversation and a familiar decision for you, that openness to see what your peers would do in a similar circumstance Um, is very powerful in helping you to norm yourself with your colleagues and your peers and ensure that you're continuing to make the right determinations. The same is true for, for example, case conversations amongst uh, colleague professionals. If you're talking about a difficult case, it's not particularly interesting or informative to say, and this was the outcome, ta-da. It's much more interesting to say, how would you think about solving this problem? Or what crosses your mind when you see a patient who has these following features or with this variety of laboratory abnormalities. That type of uh, curiosity, that type of hypothetical formation and challenging each other with interesting questions leads to an openness to think about other solutions to the problem. I think the last thing is that you have to stay current with updated information. I mean, if you, let's say there are six medicines to treat asthma and one clinician only knows four of them. And you ask her, are you able to make effective asthma prescribing decisions? And she thinks there's only four medicines, but there's actually six. And you, she says, yeah, I'm able to choose between the medicines that are available for asthma and make the right decision most of the time. I'm pretty confident in that ability. She doesn't know what she doesn't know. And as a result, she can't possibly realize that she's not able given the absence of key information to make effective decisions for the patient population she might serve. And that is a key problem for us. That's why you need continuing updating in medicine. You need continuing opportunities to self-reflect on what's important. You need feedback from peers and colleagues and professional societies, uh, others to try and help you develop your sense of competence so that can be appropriately matched with confidence. And when those are in place, you can be decisive and effective and safe. And when, you're, when they're not, when you realize you're straying into an area of practice performance where you may have a gap, then both remediate that gap, but avoid making those determinate, those decisions that might be erroneous.
0: How is CME addressing this issue?
1: Um, in a variety of different ways, certainly, the most important is creating opportunities for uh, physicians and healthcare professionals everywhere to learn, uh, because part of the solution of addressing a confidence-competence gap is to learn. Um, the second thing we're doing is making sure that those learning experiences are more conducive to the type of feedback and self-assessment that actually drives some reflection. So. A lot of CME used to be very standard didactic information transfer approaches. and I think we're moving to much more participatory and active learning environments where people have to solve the problem together, uh, work with their, their seatmate, uh, work with their colleague to solve a problem, and in that way get feedback about their own performance and see how others might solve a similar issue. That's much more powerful. I think the third is more structurally connecting continuing education with, for example, assessments done by other organizations, whether those are certifying boards or your local um, organization, to help them connect with meaningful learning experiences that plug gaps when they are identified by others.
0: A while back, uh, you shared a TED Talk by David Dunning with me and the communications team titled, Why Incompetent People Think They're Amazing.
1: Yeah. It's a great TED talk.
0: Yeah. So, first of all, why would you share this with us? Were you trying to hint something?
1: <laughs> Not to the communications team, no. <laughs> I, essentially, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a realization about human psychology and how we all learn and grow and encouraging us to be humble in the way in which we think about ourselves and our opportunities to be even better. And that um Opportunity doesn't stop when you finish residency training or medical school or communications training, whatever it is. We always have an opportunity to improve and be better. It's a bit like the growth mindset that uh, we've also discussed, that mindset of saying, we're always trying to do better. We can set goals for ourselves. We can set an action plan for our own professional development, and we can achieve it. And by doing that, we can avoid being the conspicuous idiot who doesn't know what they don't know.
0: Right. No one wants to be that guy. And I mean, we're all human. And I think sometimes it's only natural that we think highly of ourselves. Um, Is there ever a time you can remember that you were overconfident?
1: (laughs) I think you're putting me on the spot now. (laughs) Um, I think most of the time when I think about those very specific uh, occasions where I've been overconfident, it's actually not related to medicine. It's related to, you know, my running or, or other athletic activities that I've tried to pursue where, you know, I towed the line thinking I'm going to knock this one out of the park and lo and behold, I'm not nearly as ready as I thought I was. Those are humbling experiences. Um, but the same, is, the same is definitely true in medical practice. I mean, have there been occasions where I've been stumped by patients? Can I think of several occasions absolutely right now where that has occurred? Definitely true. But being stumped, I think, is being different from being overconfident. I think I've I've very much tried to recognize when I was out of my own depth on a particular case or scenario and get help from others to help me solve those problems.
0: I'm a young woman in the professional world trying to make my way up. And I think it's important to be self-assured and have a certain level of confidence. So how can I affirm my own value without coming across as overconfident?
1: I think the key thing, as we've talked about, is matching competence and confidence. And as you grow in your own um, abilities, no matter whether you're a seasoned clinician or whether you're uh, an up-and-coming newbie, the key thing is recognize where you have strengths, Uh, play to those strengths and um, be confident in those strengths because you've self-recognized them and identified them correctly, get feedback from others to help you identify where you have strengths if you don't, Um, and then identify areas for growth. Each of us should do this, I do this, to say, you know, in the coming year, what am I really going to try and build better for myself? And whether you're, uh, you know, a 65-year-old cardiologist or a 22-year-old medical student, you should be setting those objectives for yourself, not just for what you're going to learn, but how you're going to learn it and how you're going to improve your performance as a professional. Those are the things in which, those are the ways in which we grow as people, but also people that are public servants. I mean, our job is to take care of the community, at least in the medical field. And being attentive to where we are, where our strengths are, where we have rooms to grow, and then developing an action plan to uh, be the best we can be is the way to grow and develop.
0: Well, that's great. Thanks so much, Graham. I'm going to go home and write down some goals.
1: (laughs) Good. You and me both. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Melissa.
0: If you enjoyed this conversation, we're always looking to extend the discussion on CME. Feel free to reach out with topics you'd like us to cover or let us know how you're addressing these issues in your organization. Thank you for listening and catch us on the next episode of Coffee with Graham.